This that jumpman, 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 yeah. This that jumpman, 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 jumpman. Start like 23. This that jumpman, 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 jumpman. Two four like Kobe. This that jumpman, 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 jumpman. Shoot my shot, dance This that jumpman, 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 jumpman. Right around swing my trees. This that jumpman, 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 jumpman. Start like 23. This that jumpman, 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 jumpman. Two four like Kobe. Just that jump man, jump man, jump man, jump man, shoot my shot, dance beat. Just that jump man, jump man, jump man, jump man, right around swing my dreams. I be ballin' and usually like Kobe. I'm the greatest ever do it, they don't know it. Straight from the streets where the shots came blow. I came from the bottom where they hate to see you blow. Mama always told me I'ma shine, so I glow. I came from the block where I stood ten toes. Came a long way, now I'm on the top floor. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Turtles Take. We've got a great show here lined up for you. We're going to be talking Bears, Bulls, a little bit of NCAA, some baseball. And we've got special guest, big play, Reggie Gray, joining us at 7.50. We've got a great show lined up for you. Vince, how you doing tonight, brother? Man, I'm good. How you doing? Doing well, man. Excited. It's been a long week. Got a lot of Chicago sports news to cover here tonight, so... Got a great show lined up for the guests. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Yeah, it should be a good time. You know, we, we were able to hop on uh, the sport court with our boy Angelo and uh, on Wednesday night and kind of double dip this week. And uh, the weather's starting to get a little nicer as the week goes on. And second time on. And, you know, I'm just kind of feeling it. We're going to have a great show tonight. Like you said, it's a never, uh, never a dull moment in Chicago sports right now, especially – as day, days go by, we get closer and closer to the Bears draft and speculation and all the new the new uh, Andy Dalton workout films and workout videos get posted by the Bears social media department. And, you know, there's always a lot to talk about. Yeah, I just have to say I don't ever envy the Bears social media department, man. That's got to be one of the toughest <laughs> jobs to have. I mean, I get what they're doing. Like, I get they're just doing their job. They're, you know, they're trying to get everybody involved. He's the new acquisition. But it's like they never did that before. We never saw Cutler working out or Mitch or Foley. Right. Yeah, they never showed any of the quarterbacks working out in the gym. We've so far, we've seen Dalton uh, – we saw him boxing or sparring, and now we got to see him working out in with free weights and different things. I just it seems like uh, right. they got a little series they're going here with the Andy Dalton workouts. I I think that's just the Bears trying to hype him up as an acquisition. I mean, I get it; he's your QB one, as they've stated, and you know we saw Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy reaffirm that earlier today with a lot of the same. Same old, same old talk, a lot of the collaboration talks going on there, but we can get into that here in a little bit. It, but the whole Andy Dalton workout videos, man, let's see him on the field. Let's see him throwing some footballs. Let's see him doing something. Well, and, I don't want I don't want to see the guy in a boxing gym. He's not a boxer. No, I don't want to see that. They, they came out this week or somebody came out this week. I don't know who, who it was, but they said that Kyle Trask is working off is working out in the offseason with Andy Dalton. 
Let's see the two of them throwing footballs. I'd lo- I'd love to see that. Right. I, don't, I don't really care if they can lift weights. I could give two shits what what he lifts and what his workout regimen is and all this and that. I didn't. We didn't care when they showed Cleo Mack in the gym. We really don't care about Andy Dalton in the gym. Exactly, exactly. And like I said, I get it. It's a PR stunt. It's hey, let's hype up this guy that we just gave ten million dollars to. But I. I'd rather I'd rather be without it. You gotta you gotta come to my way of thinking. They said it's a it's like a five million dollar contract that with incentives can be ten. So in my mind, I just keep reminding myself it's only five. If he hits ten, it means he did something really good because that means the incentives <laughs> kicked in. You know, then again, Ryan Pace is the one who made the contract, so it could be like you know, lift X amount of weight in the gym and box so many rounds, and you hit your incentive bonus. Yeah. Don't throw X amount of interceptions. Right. So, yeah. so going back to Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, today we had the press conference where they came out, talked about a few different things. Uh, Andy Dalton in particular, you know, they had came out and said that they were really confident with him as a starter. They liked the acquisition and, they really like the skill set that he brings. They think he'll be great running RPOs and play action, things of that nature. What What's your take on that, Vince? Just as far as Andy's mobility and the ability to run the type of offense that Matt Nagy wants to run, because that was another thing Matt Nagy said today was that he would be calling plays again this season. So this is two-sided. My the first side is as the fan, and what I heard was, okay, we got this guy. We don't, we don't, we don't want you to realize that he's just average at best. So we're just gonna shine him up real nice and make him look real pretty, and package him together as insane football words like RPOs and play action. And I mean, every quarterback in the NFL runs those now. Even even the non-mobile quarterbacks run RPOs, and they just throw it every time. Or the RPO, they you know they hand off. They're not actually the ones running it. You know, play action. Right. Yeah, I'd love to have a play action be part of the Bears' offense. But you got to run the ball enough to establish the run to to make somebody in the stadium think you're going to run the ball for a play action to work. You know, right. they were running play action last year, and the defense was like, run about five times a game for like 22 yards. <laughs> Go ahead and hand it right. off. We're just going to drop six guys back, seven guys back, and. Make you throw and make you throw it over us or around us. We're pick it off when you do. So all that. I mean, at the end of the day, and this is where I say it's two sides. At the end of the day, what are they supposed to say? You know, we we tried to get Ben Roethlisberger, Pittsburgh re, re, uh, retained him. We tried to get Jameis Winston. He stayed in New Orleans. Uh, we thought we had Russell Wilson. Just kidding. We actually got Andy Dalton. I mean, you know, they're not going to say that, oh, well, we got stuck with Andy Dalton. We had to get somebody before there was nobody left. Terod Taylor, they offered Terod Taylor a contract. He went to to Houston for more money. Um, you know, it's at this point, I try to limit how much I think how bad it's going to be and think about maybe – Maybe this is what we've been waiting for. Maybe let's just say we stay with Andy Dalton. Maybe he is a Matt Nagy quarterback. And, you know, his familiarity with Bill Lazor, although it wasn't always great in Cincinnati, at least he knows the offense. And he is mobile. He's, you know, maybe he's not Mitch mobile, but he's at least mobile where he can pick up a first down here and there at least to make you think about it. Um, He's definitely more mobile than Nick Foles, I will say that. Nick Foles looked like a statue in that pocket. I mean, 
Nick Foles is the definition of a statue pocket passer. So I, I do agree that Andy Dalton's a little bit more versatile in that regard. He doesn't have Trubisky legs, but he's definitely got the IQ to hit the second and third read, which is something that Mitch always lacked fundamentally yeah. since his time in Chicago really began. So Yeah, absolutely. If he can, you know, like you said, if he can quickly go from, you know, through all of his progressions and get to the open receiver and find the open man and just take what the defense gives them, you know, maybe the Bears play, they get a few plays together and they get more touchdowns than we think and they do a little better. You know, the one thing I will say about this offense, it did run when it ran its best when the year that was at Matt Nagy's first year when they lost to yep. Philadelphia, the offense ran because Mitch picked up first uh, third downs with his feet. You know, and I've said it out here the last couple of shows, and we, sit, we talked about it on some of our other shows we've been on here on 1252. He he just stopped running. You know, Mitch decided that I didn't maybe – and I still think it was that time he got hurt on Monday Night Football against Minnesota. He was sliding and he got hit, and from then on it was his non-throwing shoulder, and from when he came back he wasn't the same guy. He was hesitant to run. He wanted to wait, wait, wait. Uh, I mean, the, the my biggest pet peeve about Mitch was when he ro he'd roll out, get all the way to the sideline, could just flip the ball out of bounds for incomplete, and instead he takes the sack. Like, why? Just flip right. the ball out of bounds. Or or then he would step out. Like, just flip the ball. Take the incomplete pass. So we'll see. Um, you know, it's yeah, I, in me regards to that. In regards to that, I mean, I've, I've heard mixed opinions on Trubisky running. Uh, you know, a lot of people have said, our guy Allen saying, spot on, Vince. Take I've a picture of, of that. Take a picture of that. <laughs> I think that's about the first time he's agreed with one of your takes. No, I think kidding. so, too. <laughs> we love Allen over here at 1252. But, yeah, with Mitch, I think it was a little bit of his hesitancy, but I've also heard that it was coaching as well, that Matt Nagy was trying to coach him into staying in the pocket more and being a little bit more of a pocket passer. Yeah. And – I, I get it schematically with what Matt Nagy wants to do. That does make a little bit of sense. But realistically, Mitch's legs were one of his best weapons. I mean, he had 400-plus yards his uh, that 2018 season with his feet. And it was really a weapon that they utilized well at the beginning of his career. And again, after that Monday night football injury, it was just – little to no running the last two seasons that he was here with the bears. And I think that did hurt us offensively a little bit just because yeah. it was something, it created the dual threat, right? Right. And once you take that away, you become very one dimensional, especially when Matt Nagy's only calling five to seven running plays a game. I mean, that's, if you have no run game and you take away your quarterback's ability to be mobile, what are you left with? You're left with passing 40 to 50 times a game. And Mitch Trubisky was never that guy and should have never been that guy. Right. I think, I yeah, think no, that you're, you're definitely on with some of those. And, you know, it, I don't want to keep talking about what it was and let's just hope that going forward, you know, we got Alan Robinson back on the, the franchise tender and, you know, with, right. with Darwin Mooney and hopefully he, you know, keeps getting a little better here in his year two. And, Piers Anthony Miller is going to be part of this team, whether I like it or not. And, you know, maybe he can be a little more consistent and hopefully Cole Komet in his second year, we see a lot more of him and, you know, why they went out and they used that draft pick on him. Hopefully we see that this year because 
Right. For, for a guy that you such a high draft pick on when you didn't have a first round pick, it was very surprising that it took it deep into the season to see him as it did. Yeah. And I mean, we could sit and talk personnel usage all day. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Anthony Miller. Our guy Allen saying something else we agree on. He's down on Miller as well. I, I don't like his attitude. I've never liked Anthony Miller's attitude. You can see him be frustrated. You can see him be complacent when he's not getting the ball as much as he believes he should. Maybe he'll see a little bit more targets with Andy Dalton this year. But you touched on Darnell Moody, and I just want to say that kid is terrific. He had a very, very good rookie year, and I'm really excited to see what he does here in his second year. I think yeah. he can definitely develop into that uh, speedster role where he's just versatile out on the field, can beat you with speed, and I love watching that kid's tape. He's hard. He yeah, goes I very think, hard. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I don't think it's possible anymore because I think his pro day was that good, but I would love to see the Bears get a tackle in the first at 20 and then in the second round be able to – or trade back into the end of the first round something and grab a uh, – uh, the kid out of uh, Purdue, was that Ronald Moore? Yeah. yeah if, you, if you get him, I mean, he's 5'7", 185 pounds. He ran 4'3", 840. He had a 40-inch vertical and 11-1 broad jump. I mean, the guy's explosive as can be. And in, in this offense, they talk about, well, you need this, you need that. We want to be uh, um, a Kansas City-type offense. Well, there's your Tariq Hill right there. They say his 40 was the exact same 40 as Tariq Hill ran. You know, you, when you can add that type of okay. speed to a duo of Robinson and Mooney, then I think this offense really can be dangerous. We got our guy Allen here in the chat saying, breaking news, the Bears have been linked to several talks with Ian Book. See, now I don't know if this is Allen being serious or if this is Allen just being sarcastic with the breaking news. <laughs> Every everything I've heard to Ian Book is like a he's gonna sixth, seventh, maybe undrafted. And you know, I mean he's he played at Notre Dame. He looked good. Right. He looked good for the majority of the time at at Notre Dame. And I it's a guy that I've liked, but I really just haven't seen him on any list when they talk about oh, okay, so Daniel Greenberg had a you know, I, I would love it. I thought Ian Book, you know, obviously Notre Dame, some people love him, some people hate him. Um, I happen to be a big Notre Dame fan, but that aside, I still think Ian Book is a guy that is very low risk. You could get him late in the draft, you know, whether it's him, um, right. it's the kid from Texas, you know, there's, I think there's a few guys you could get late in the draft that, you know, you, they're, they're low risk for where you're taking them. Because when you start taking guys in the sixth round, you know, they're going to make the team anyways. So we'll, right. uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, at that point, if you can get him low in the draft, absolutely, it would be could potentially be a steal at you know the sixth or seventh round. Even I mean, I'm all for that. Uh, we we touched a little bit on it on Wednesday as far as what we think the Bears should do in the draft here moving forward. But I think uh, tying back to Andy Dalton, I think the offensive line, the development of the guys we have, as well as bringing in another piece at tackle is going to be crucial to uh, how Andy Dalton's season plays out here as a bear, because he is a guy that needs a little bit of time in the pocket. And, you know, we obviously saw that offensive line struggle a little bit. Uh, 
We still have Charles Leno on our roster, which amazes me every single day. I was I was really hoping we would move on from him. And, you know, PFF is high on him. I personally am not high on his play. I, I feel like he has way too many times where he just gets flat-out beat against average guys. And that's a big issue that we had most of the season. You saw it with Mitch. Mitch was able to move – out of it a little bit more. Obviously, Foles wasn't as lucky in that regard, but it it kills me that Charles Leno's still on this roster. Our guy Angelo is saying the smart play is a tackle at 20. Or with the depth of O-line, maybe trade back for a couple more picks. I could see that happening. I could I could see I it happening. I don't, I don't this is a any, very I don't see any way that Ryan Pace trades back. We'll, you know, we'll be lucky Ryan Pace doesn't give up the farm to trade up. You know, we, we saw what it cost San Francisco to move up from 12 to 3. Now you got the Bears yes. coming from 20. What's it going to cost? And where are you going to move up to get? You know, the only thing I can see moving up for is a quarterback. Well, they're going to go 1 through 4, maybe 5 in a top 10 or top 8. All 5 will go. I just don't see them moving up or back. I, just, I think they stay at 20. I don't see... You can't afford to move back. You got to get an impact player, and you don't have what it takes to move up. And there's going to be nobody to move up for. You know, I, I personally, I would like to see, and I haven't heard much about them lately, but I'd still like to see them take that first round pick. You're going to take a tackle with it. I'd like to see them take the first round pick, and you know, maybe Anthony Miller or somebody or Leno and package all of them together and move it to Baltimore for Orlando Brown Jr. You know, he's 24 years old. He's a, he played phenomenal at left tackle last year. Um, he's a guy that if you were to get another left tackle that could only play left, he could play right as well. I know he wants to play left tackle, so it's probably where he's going to go. But, you know, if you were able to right. swing a trade for him, and then I, I still think there's moves to be made. You saved a lot of money. I know it was to get under the cap, but you saved a lot of money. You didn't get Russ. You planned on paying Russ $25 million, $28 million, whatever he makes this year. So they had that in mind. There's got to be a way to still create that cap space and go sign Mitchell Schwartz. If you got Orlando Brown okay. Jr. at left tackle and Mitchell Schwartz, who is a natural right tackle at right tackle, with the three interior guys, Daniels, Whitehair, and Mustafer, I mean, now a guy like Andy Dalton could be a lot better than you would think because now he's got time. Right. He can, he's got time to look at the whole field. He's got time to step up and get into his throws. So we'll we'll see. You know, Unfortunately, right now, all anybody could do is guess what's going to happen. Um, unfortunately we're Bears fans, so we'll probably get screwed in the end, but it's nice to hope. Yeah. Uh, Alan saying here in the chat, he heard today on Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000, that there's a possibility that the Bears don't even take a quarterback, man. What do you think about that, Vince? What do you think this yeah. team would be if we don't take a quarterback late in the it's obviously going to be late in the draft. Unless we move up, we're going to take a guy like Kellen Mond a little bit later in the draft. What are what are your thoughts? Do you think this team can be successful this season just with Andy Dalton and Nick Foles on the roster? Well, I think that whether you take a quarterback in the fourth round, a fifth round, a sixth round, a seventh round, you're you're not planning on him coming in and being anything this year. So I think it has absolutely zero do with whether they're good or not this year so i'd rather see them use those picks and get guys that are going to make an impact this year and are going to start making this team better right away you know you've already got andy Dalton and nick Foles on the roster unless 
unless you're going to get a miracle and find somebody to take Nick Foles' contract off your hands. It's not a lot of money. I get that. But unless you're going to find somebody who's going to take Nick Foles, and I thought it would be Philadelphia, but now they went out and got Joe Flacco. So that takes them off out of that discussion. Right. Unless you've got somebody that you're definitely going to move Nick Foles to, you might as well just roll with the two of them. You know, maybe Ian Book falls to undrafted or seventh round, or, you know, they got the, the they got four six round picks. So if they get a quarterback, I could see it being the sixth round with the four with the two extra six round picks, giving them four picks in the sixth round. I could see him taking a, you know, an Ian Book or Ellinger out of Texas, somebody that falls that really wasn't expected to be much. It's more of a project guy. Um, otherwise, it's not going to upset me if they don't take a quarterback. Like I said, there's not a big difference between rounds five through seven and not taking one at all. Uh, understood. I do understand your take there. I think uh, Alan actually said here in the chat, pitchforks and torches to Hallis Hall. That's kind of my immediate reaction is Ryan Pace has always preached the the quarterback position being the most important position. And I believe he's actually been on record saying that he would like to draft a quarterback every year. Yeah, well, we obviously, see how that worked out. Obviously, that hasn't worked out. I do think we need to take a quarterback in the draft. Do I want to see him move up and trade the farm away to make that happen? Absolutely not. I think uh, with the pieces we have on our defense now and where we're at offensively, we just, we're a couple offensive linemen away from being competitive on the offensive side of the ball. Although Matt Nagy's going to be calling plays again this year. So you'll probably see the famous tight end sweep on the goal line and a bunch of dumb little trick plays. They'll probably, you know what though? Nobody complains about the tight end screen and the tight end, all that shit when Travis Kelsey scoring touchdowns. So if, if, Bears start getting to the point where they're where they're scoring and they're they're you know they got the receivers and they got the line to protect and Cole Komet seems like he's very athletic and can be that type of tight end. If they're throwing two yard screens to Cole Komet and he's getting in the end zone, I we're not going to hear anybody complain about it. That is true, but Jimmy Graham on a tight end sweep is not a guy that I would be putting out there. Jimmy Graham's not a speedster. I mean. It, again, when you go back to Matt Nagy and his personnel usage, you know, one thing that really bothered me a lot of last season was that we didn't see more of Ridley on the field at wide receiver. I think he's a serviceable guy. I know uh, they said during, they said right towards the end of the season that uh, him and Nagy had had some disagreements. I'm not sure to what extent that affected his seeing the field, but. I, I've been saying since we acquired Ridley that I would like to see more of him on the field, and it just hasn't happened for one so you, reason or another. So if you drafted Riley Ridley, obviously I thought he was going to be a playmaker. They drafted Riley Ridley. He couldn't. He can't get on the field, and you've got, got he's behind guys like Javon Wims and other guys who just aren't the guy either. Clearly he's not showing anything in practice to say, okay, this guy deserves a shot. Because it's not like the Bears had world beaters at wide receiver behind Allen Robinson and Mooney last year. If anybody was halfway decent, they would have got a look. So that makes me worry about what Riley Ridley is as a pro. You know, everybody sees a lot of these guys the way they play in college and they go, oh, well, he's a sure thing. Bring him in and he's going to change the offense. Well, some guys come from college. They're just not that good. You know, we saw them go deep into the 
into the the sack of tricks and players at wide receiver to try to find some sort of option that gave the offense a spark. Yet he was never right. one of the guys they went to. There's, it's got to be more than an argument. I know they disagreed about his playing time, and but that goes back to right. if you're not showing, and I'm not at practice, none of us are, so we don't know. But if the guy is that good at practice, he's going to see the field, especially when you're looking for a, for a spark from somewhere, and you're tr- you're bringing all these guys in off the street. The who are they? The Dwayne Harris's and all these guys that they brought right. in that. If he was even, you thought there was a remote chance that he could make the offense better, you would have gave him a shot. So him, it took Cole Komet a long time to get on the field. You know, these guys coming out of college, sometimes it takes them a long time to adjust to the speed of the NFL. And, you know, you you get a guy like Riley Ridley who comes from Alabama and Georgia and these big-time programs that they're the big dog. They go against a lot of really crappy teams in college. Well, every week (laughs) you line up against some of the best dudes in the world even if you're playing the worst team in the NFL. So he, it's very possible that he just never gave them a reason to play him. Okay. Yeah. And I do understand your perspective on it. I just, I like his size. I liked his speed coming out of the draft. I think for a guy, his size, he would have been a good compliment on the offense. I would have liked to see him get some play time over whims and, and over Miller as well. But, who knows, maybe he'll develop a little bit more here over the offseason and going into this next year, and maybe we'll, we will see a little bit more of him coming out next year. I just – usage of personnel for with Matt Nagy has kind of always been an issue on my side. You know, you scratch your head, like you said, Cole Komet, he was our first pick in last year's draft, and everyone spoke so highly of him, and then he barely saw the field the first half of the year. And you thought that Jimmy Graham was going to kind of be that bridge tight end and he was average. He was okay, but he didn't do anything that was, you know, definitive enough to say, we got to keep him out here and not let Cole in the game. I, I don't get the personnel usage sometimes. And that goes all the way to even the running back position. I mean, you've got Montgomery out there, gets the ball all the way down the field. And then you put Cordero Patterson in to try to run the ball in. Why go with the hot hand, feed the hot hand. You've got momentum going with one guy. Keep that momentum going and punch the ball in the end zone, in my opinion. Yeah, that was that was one of the few things that, you know, I'm, as you've seen on our show and on other shows when we're on, I'm very defensive of Matt Nagy as a coach and giving him his fair shot. It's the one thing I right. just really can't defend is the Cordero Patterson decision. I know you had to do something, and I know it did work at times, but I just don't understand how you got to that point. You know, you've got David Montgomery, who at Iowa State, and again, I know it's not the same as the pros, but Cordero Patterson is not like he's Leonard Fournette or LeGarrette Blunt or some of these just big right. bruising backs. I mean, he's he's a speed receiver. So it's not like you were yeah. going to put him back there and he was going to run people over. Yeah, it worked at times. It did. Okay, so you got lucky a few times where he got some yardage, he got a couple of touchdowns. But at the end of the day, I just don't know what they saw that they were like, you know what, this is what this is going to change the offense. And I know they they don't run the ball enough. They don't do a lot of things. Uh, you know, you see Kansas City, and it's the only team I can compare them to because that's who they're supposed to be modeled after is the Andy Reid offense right. in Kansas City. 
Obviously, Kansas City is Pat Mahomes. That that covers a lot of warts when you have a quarterback like Pat Mahomes. But you see, they do the same thing. You know, Sammy Watkins just left. He went somewhere else. He was supposed to be the 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 guy that was going to finally hit the offense other than Tariq Hill. The whole offense is Tariq Hill and Travis Kelsey. They don't, they don't, you know, they sprinkle a little bit here and there with McCole Hardman and uh Demarcus Robinson and some of these guys, but at the end of the day, it's Tariq Hill and it's Travis Kelsey and it's Patrick Mahomes. They run the ball about 10 times a game. Uh, you know, even when they're running the ball, they stop running the ball. I just, you know, I it makes me see a lot of things that I remember seeing about the Bears, but they're missing the Patrick Mahomes and they're missing the Travis right. Kelsey. And they're missing the Tariq Hill. Like, yeah, I love Allen Robinson. Don't get me wrong. But Tariq Hill, you could double cover him, and he's still going to outrun both guys. He's just that fast. Allen oh, Robinson absolutely. isn't that kind of speed. Uh, Travis Kelsey is, you know, one of the best to ever do it. Hopefully Cole Komet can become just, you know, remind you of him. Not necessarily be him, but just remind you of him. And maybe this offense then starts to take some steps forward instead of continuously stepping backwards. Fair enough. Fair enough. Our guy Allen here in the chat saying Ryan Nall sucks. I've never been big on Ryan Nall. You know, I mean, he's a blocker. As a blocker, he's not bad, but he's not a guy that I want to hand the ball off to. I think one thing that will be interesting this next season is with uh, Tariq Cohen coming back. Obviously, we didn't have him last season out there on the field. With Tariq Cohen coming back, I think. Uh, Cordero Patterson, if he is still a member of this Bears team, will definitely see a diminished role because they'll go back to using Cohen and Montgomery. Obviously, Montgomery will be your number one back. You'll well, and they signed Damian Williams from Kansas City. Yeah, you know, absolutely. He opted out last year, but the the last time we saw him play was he was winning the Super Bowl for Kansas City. This is true. That was a great acquisition. I mean, for the money they gave him, absolutely, I like the move. I think. Between him and Tariq Cohen, we'll see a good dynamic in the running back system. It'll, I don't want to say be a running back by committee system just because Montgomery's too good of a player for him to not definitively be your number one, in my opinion. I'm, I've always been really high on David Montgomery. I've liked watching him when he played in college. I mean, and obviously only some of that translates to the NFL, but that kid's a hard runner. He'll put his head yeah. down and hit the smallest of holes. I mean, you saw the offensive line get desecrated last season, and somehow he'd slip through the tiniest crack for, you know, a 7- to 10-yard gain. And the kid plays with heart. He's definitely got the mindset for it. And I've I've always enjoyed watching Montgomery play. But now, now you add a couple – well, I don't want to say a couple weapons. You add another weapon in the running back room. You get a healthy Tariq Cohen back. Uh, I don't see Cordero Patterson, if he's still here with the Bears, uh, playing that big of a role this coming season. See, you know, I, I got a few a few things jumped in my head as you were talking about David Montgomery and Cordero Patterson. First off, I hate April Fool's Day. I'm not a fan. I think it's the dumbest thing ever. Um, people share things forgetting it's April Fool's Day and they get all excited about stuff. The, the Bears signing Russell Wilson? No, not that. Well, that yeah. too, but I forgot it was April Fool's Day last night. Um, you know, all day I remembered, but I forgot last night. Cordell Patterson put on his Twitter, coming home to Minnesota. 
I was very uh, excited that he was going back to the Vikings and that he was not going to be in a Bears <laughs> uniform. And then I remembered that it's April Fool's Day and this guy still could wind up in a Bears uniform. I don't get it. I said that before, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I don't get Cordero Patterson at all. Um, I love him as a return guy. Go ahead, throw him back there. Let him do his thing. Have him come in at wide receiver. That's cool, too. I don't want to see him in the backfield. I just don't. Yeah, keep um, the guy out of the backfield. Yeah, I mean, stuff. it made sense in New England because he did it when James White got hurt, and they needed that receiving back because that's what New England did. But the Bears right. don't have that kind of offense. Uh, but going to David Montgomery – Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Ryan Pace trade up to get David Montgomery? Yes, he did. So they didn't have a first-round pick. They used their second-round pick on David Montgomery, and you trade up to get David Montgomery to give him to the very end of the year to finally start using him and be like, hey, this guy could actually play. Well, where was that all year? Like, why did you – what made you – everything that made you trade up for a guy – is all the reasons why he should have been playing all year. He makes the first guy miss. He catches the ball. He's a three down back. This and that and all the, you know, the nuances and all the tag, the hot taglines they use to describe players. That's who David Montgomery was at at ISU. That's why he traded up to go get him. And then that's why he took a backseat to Tariq Cohen. I just don't understand how – at one point, you say, as a Bears front office, you say, this is why we need to go trade up for this guy. Oh, let's wait till week 14 to really start using him. Yeah, and, you know, I've touched on that on multiple shows here on 1252 that I've never liked Matt Nagy's usage of a running back. Uh, in regards to that, I, I believe you've actually said that, you know, Kansas City doesn't run the ball a whole lot. But we're as much as Matt Nagy wants us to be the Kansas City offense, that's not where we're at right now. Right. No, absolutely. So a good coach will tailor to their players. And when you've got a weapon like David Montgomery back there, that guy should be getting the ball 25 times a game, every game. Yeah. You know, and then you see guys like Ryan Nall. We've talked about Ryan Nall. And and have to go where I think it was Allen that said it. Why is this guy even on the team? Like they, he, you had him on the team all year, but you thought so much of him that you had to bring a wide receiver into the backfield in Cordero Patterson and use Cordero Patterson on fourth and short and th- third and short and all those plays. Cause you thought he was the guy and I get it. He's long. You thought he might be able to reach out, blah, blah, blah. But you think so little of Ryan all that you don't even use them when guys get hurt. They brought in, who is it, Lamar Miller, right. and they brought in all these guys when you had Ryan all the whole time. But yet, as soon as we hit free agency, the first damn free agent signing or re-signing I see is Ryan Nall. Right. Why is that a priority? I understand that some of them are easy. Some of them are easier to make to sign than, you know, the Allen Robinsons were harder to sign than Ryan all. But what was the point? You know, yeah, like Al says, Tyler Bray. If you were just going to go ahead, why did you, you know, Tyler Bray never got a shot. Why did you have Chase Daniels when you had Tyler Bray? I get he knows the offense. But Chase Daniels made his, made a career. I saw a thing the other day. He's made, I think it was 37 point some million dollars in his career. And he's thrown yeah. 200 passes for his career. He's made like, a it was a hundred something thousand dollars a pass attempt or something like that. There's some stupid number. because But people keep right. turning them. Like, I just, 
you know, as much as I love to defend Matt Nagy, and I think he hasn't got a fair shot because he didn't have a quarterback, uh, there's also some very, very questionable at best decisions they made with with personnel and player usage like like you talked about. Yeah, and I mean, that's what it boils down to. Again, we're not on the practice field with them. We don't know what they're seeing in the day-to-day, but just some of these decisions really make you scratch your head and go, is is this in the best interest of our team? Yep. You know, and I, I always find myself trying to defend them. Uh, you know, the even the Ryan Nall signing, at first I was like, okay, everybody calm down. Maybe they're going to make him a fullback. They're not going to make, the make him a fullback. They're going to keep him as a running back. You know, I said, oh, well, they're, they're talking about re-signing Cordell Patterson. Well, they're probably going to put him back at wide receiver. No, they're probably going to keep him at running back. It's like I always want to defend these guys and be like, you know what? This is what they're probably going to do. This is a smart thing. But it's the Bears. It's you, At some point, you start to go, you know what? The smart thing isn't the Bear way. It, it really isn't. And kind of transitioning from that specifically to the NFL as a whole, so uh, – Recently, it was voted that the NFL will be adding a game to the season and they're removing one preseason game to try to balance that out. What's your what's your immediate thought on that, Vince? Are you a fan or are you not a fan of the extra game being added to the regular season? So for those those of the viewers out out here who, you know, watch us on Wednesday, we spoke about this and I'll try to keep it a little more reined in this time than I did on Wednesday. but. I just think it's the NFL again trying to think they're smarter than everybody else. You know, they've, they've <laughs> right. safety, safety first, safety first, safety first. Everything they do, they say is safety. The the new rules that make the offense easier to to score. Well, no, no, it's about safety. Um, right. Everything is about safety, but yet you're going to say, well, we're going to take a preseason game that nobody plays in. And we're going to add another regular season game that you do play in. And now we're just going to put more workload on your body. And that's just supposed to be okay. You know, the Thursday night games, they, they, they talk safety, but all the players, nobody likes the Thursday night games that are players. I understand some fans do. Right. Because at the end of the day, 17 games instead of 16, more football. Thursday night right. games, more days more football. All about it. As a fan, I get all of that. But at the same time, don't try to call it and say, well, we're trying to do this for this. We're trying to just come out and say, you know what? We just came off COVID. We didn't have no fans last year. We're going to get more money for our regular season games. So we're going to do a whole extra home game for everybody. And we're going to do Thursday games because, well, Amazon's willing to spend billions of dollars to pay us to do it. So we're just going to take the money. I would, I, at least that I would respect and be like, okay, well, it may not be in the best interest of the players, but the players do get part of that money. So at least they're getting something out of it rather than just say, oh, well, I think it's in the best interest of the league. Right. Yeah. I do have to agree with you on that. My initial thought just as a fan was great. We're getting another game. I love football. I mean, definitely a more football is better type of guy at the end of the day. But from a fan perspective, I like it. From, a take perspective though. I really, I do understand what you're saying. We preach player safety and then we turn around and add a game where everyone's it's going to go one of two ways, right? Either everybody's going to be playing or the playoff seating's already going to be set. 
the games aren't going to matter and then nobody's going to be playing anyway. So I think it'll be interesting to see how teams approach this extra game this year. And I mean, obviously it was something that was voted a yes by every team except the Chicago bears, which that's another thing. When you talk about how backwards this organization is on certain things, man, I think that was just a, a big publicity stunt for the Bears to say to players that were unhappy with it, hey, come play for us. We voted against this because we care about you. We care about player safety, blah, blah, blah. But in reality, they knew that everyone else was going to vote yes, I'm sure. They had to at least have that feeling. You know what, so- Dave? Everything since Matt Nagy's been here, he's he's a player's coach. He is very much about him and, you know, they've said him and Sean McVay are very much, you know, the preseason, nobody plays, um, you know, they're very much about resting players' bodies, stuff like that. So I could see a lot of reasons why they would say no, but I think you hit it dead on when you said at the end of the day, they knew it was going to pass. The owners talked, they knew the majority was going to pass. Most felt it would be unanimous. I feel like at the end of the day, at the last second, they said, you know what? Let's just say no. Let's vote against it. It'll still pass. And then we could just say, well, you know what? We fought for it. We tried to only keep it 16. Right. We we care about the players. We, we care about right. their safety. And that's – unfortunately, you see a lot of – just when it comes to the Bears press conferences – uh, anytime the Bears go on the record, it's it's usually really vague and doesn't tell us a lot. I mean, today you saw him stand behind Andy Dalton, and then you saw Matt Nagy say that he's going to be calling plays. But other than that, what did we get out of that press conference as fans? Yeah, you know, I, I, I know that obviously things are different than they normally are because of COVID still. Um, you know, they didn't have the combine. They didn't have the media day. The combine turned into a mandatory uh, media day. That was the last one we had where they, we, a lot of the collaboration and they refused to say how long their contracts were. That was that press conference. You know, you had that one, you had these mandatory ones where there's not a lot going on. I just feel like I know the NFL does it because they want that access and they want to stay relevant with everything else going on right now with no football games, I want to say relevant, but you never really right. get any one of those press conferences. At the end of the day, what are you supposed to say? You know, Matt Nagy's going to call plays. Cool. Uh, we're going to stand behind Andy Dalton. Well, of course you are. You signed him. Uh, right. You felt like he was the best guy. Well, no shit. You felt he was the best guy. You signed him. If you didn't feel like he was the best guy out there, you wouldn't have signed him. So, I mean, it's just, you know, it's a lot of the the rhetoric that you expect to hear from now on with the bears. They've never, been ones to be transparent about anything. They keep everything close to the vest. I just, I, I don't, I just wish the NFL wouldn't make a mandatory because all it does is irritate Bears fans that you get the same press conference every time. You might as well be a pre-recorded interview or press conference that you just press play every time you're going to have a press conference. It's going to be a lot yeah. of a lot of uh, McCaskey and Ted Phillips talking about how Ryan Pace is the football department. He's the head of football. You're going to get a lot of Ryan Pace talking about how great Matt Nagy is. Matt Nagy talking about how great Ryan Pace is. Everybody loves everybody. Everybody gets along. And that's why we feel they're the best guys for their position. (laughs) Well, at some point, winning football games is more than, well, everybody gets along. You know, 
Mike Tomlin, they say that he he's tough to get along with sometimes, but you know what? He's never had a losing season with the Steelers. Right. I mean, at some point, winning winning has to be what matters. And unfortunately for the Bears, that they're not that type of franchise. No, and unfortunately, while we have both Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy in Chicago, I just don't see that being the mindset. So no, I'm, I'm excited to see what comes this season. Uh, excited to see how the 17th game plays into the season. And I'm going to be as optimistic as possible with Andy Dalton here moving forward. I was really down on him when the signing was first made, but I think after, after calming down a little bit and looking at the numbers, watching some tape, I think it was definitely an upgrade over Trubisky and Foles. So we'll see how this season plays out. All yep. we can do, all we can do is, Hope that the Bears can be the best that they can be. Uh, with, with that, though, Vince, let's uh, take a minute here, guys. We're going to take a quick break and give you guys a quick word from our sponsor, the Jonathan Darren team over at the Coldwell Banker Real Estate Group. Uh, we'll be back with you in 60 seconds. Hi, I'm Jonathan Darren, licensed real estate broker with Cobble Banker Real Estate Group in Homer Glen. Are you looking to buy or sell? Have you been disappointed in the past? The Jonathan Darren team with Cobble Banker Real Estate Group focuses on providing you with a concierge level of service during the process of buying or selling. We are a service-oriented team with a fresh and professional approach to selling real estate. Our goal is to combine knowledge, skills, and passion to exceed our clients' expectations, and most of all, we truly care. We are a knowledgeable real estate team focused on offering expertise and innovative solutions for our clients. The Jonathan Darren team has five full-service real estate brokers and a dedicated full-time marketer servicing all of Chicagoland. We will customize a detailed plan around your timeline for a sale, purchase, investment, estate, or other needs. Real estate transactions can be stressful, but don't need to be. Let us handle it for you. Visit our website, homesbyjdt.com, or call 708-308-1938 today. Expect better in real estate. Choose the Jonathan Darren team. All right, guys. Again, that was a quick word from our sponsor, Jonathan Darren, and his team over at the Coldwell Banker Real Estate Group. Definitely give them a call if you're looking to make a purchase in the area. Can I? I just want to interrupt for a second. I know before we go anywhere else, we just I got something sent to us in our we have our own little group chat here at twelve fifty two. The Raptors are beating the Warriors one hundred and five to fifty two right now. What? I it just came across the chat. The Raptors are leading. Let me pull it up again. Sorry for let me look off screen. One hundred and five to fifty two, with a minute and fifty nine left in the third quarter. What is going on there? I, I have no idea, but they're down 50, and they've given up 102 points still with two minutes left in the third quarter. Obviously, uh, something's going on there. We'll have to check on that after the show, but, I mean, yeah. that's definitely nothing like what I anticipated that game would be. Yeah, I'm sorry. It, I, just, it just threw me off guard there for a second when I saw it come across. Right. No, absolutely. That's – a crazy score differential. And I mean, we just saw what Golden State did to our Bulls. Yeah. Unfortunately. So, you know, it it's almost one of those things like in football, they say any given Sunday, you know, any given night on the NBA court, something crazy can happen. I hear so, that. There must I'll be some uh there must be some big plays in in that game. And I'll use the the pun there to go ahead and transition to our guest here. And we're bringing out, he's a two-time Arena Bowl champ, 
Reno Bowl MVP, All Iron Man team, Playmaker of the Year, Wide Receiver of the Year, Western Illinois alum, and Morgan Park's own big play, Reggie Gray. How's it What's going? up, Reggie? How we doing? Uh, just hanging in there. How y'all guys doing? We're doing well. Thanks We're for good, joining man. us. We appreciate you coming on with us. How's it going? Oh, it's uh, it's going it's going good. Excuse the darkness. I'm I'm actually in the car. I'm not driving. I'm I'm pulling over. <laughs> but, uh, no, you're all good. We we appreciate you taking the time out to to hop on with us here. Um, you know, before we get into the to the back and forth and telling everybody about you, um, you know, just give us a little bit of your story, man. How did you, you know, coming up through high school and college, and how did you get to the AFL and you know your whole background? Oh man, um, well, I first started playing like organized football in sixth grade. Um, not sure what I, I believe that maybe have been in '96. You know, showing my age there. A bit. <laughs> um, I believe it's like '96. So I first started playing, and I mean, I fell in love with it. Um, you know, played played sixth grade through eighth, and then went to um, Morgan Park High School ninth grade um my whole high school career basically and um you know they 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 recruited me this summer to come there i was so shocked to get a phone call you know asking if i wanted to come play football at morgan park um it, i was so shocked i guess that was my first stage of recruiting ever um but i was i was excited went there it was a big culture shock to me because hadn't lifted a weight in my life and i go there and they <laughs> outside lifting weights and, and just all type of stuff but um but yes yeah, so i started my career in, in, in high school morgan park the morgan park high school i made at you know best best public school um school ever <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah i went there and and i didn't i actually broke my ankle going into my sophomore year so i wasn't able to transition to varsity um until my junior year but my first two years i was actually just playing running back you know i would have number okay. 20 because because of barry sanders um, I, I took up after okay. him and, and and you know I, I was i was trying to be that shifty you know shake you like a crossover on the football field type <laughs> of player um it wouldn't number 20 but when i went to varsity they basically you know switched me over to wide receiver because you know i was i was probably a buck 20 soaking wet then and, <laughs> and uh you know they knew i wouldn't be able to take them hits on the, on the varsity level so switched over to wide receiver um junior year was more of a transitioning year didn't really do too much or anything and then my my senior years was when i just took off uh, took off and and basically earned a scholarship to go to west illinois university um, right. which I went there and spent four years and, you know, left there as an all-time leading receiver in all categories and kick return and and all that. So, and um, basically didn't even get a, 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 a look at all, you know, when it comes to the pro level. You know, I was a college All-American and everything, but um, – Right. But, you know, I mean, I you know, I, I, I was always on a small frame. You know, small frame back then, you know, 5'9", 170 was, was viewed as could never, ever 
play in the NFL, too small and all type of stuff where, you know, now you got quarterbacks that's 5'9 and, and getting drafted. Oh, absolutely. Number one overall. And, right. You know, you know if, I was, if, I was, if I was 10 years later, you know, <laughs> paid it off another 10 years, who knows. But, um, but yeah, so left there. You know, had a couple of offers for Canada and, you know, but still was waiting for the NFL. Didn't shake out. So then kind of put my hat in the rims of um, indoor arena football. And I uh, started with the Bloomington Extreme. Then uh, went left there, went to the Chicago Rush, then to the Chicago Slaughter, then back to the Chicago Rush. Um, San Jose Sabercats. Jacksonville Sharks, Baltimore Brigade, Washington Valor, and now unofficially retired, sitting and chilling in Chicago. I'll try to give a brief, brief, brief um, summary. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, you know, just to to hear all the different things and the stops you've made and to make an impact at all of them. Uh, you know, for those that are familiar with the rainy game, I gave your – your resume when we brought you on, and man, it's you know, there's not a whole lot to have done it at that level. Um, so we appreciate you coming on with us. What was the difference when you first went to the indoor arena game? What was the biggest thing that you had to the or the hardest thing for you to get used to compared to the outdoor game going indoor? Those walls. <laughs> Those walls are undefeated, they're gonna stay undefeated. And that was one of the biggest things I had to adjust to in which it was tough. I, I mean, I had to I had to find out the hard way. I want to say the my first game, be my first game playing, first or second game playing, I went up for a deep ball in the back of the end zone and tore my MCL against the back boards. Oof. Oof. Yeah, so that was, you know, I, I, I guess I jumped up and kind of ninja kicked the wall. You know, but like I said, they they undefeated, so it didn't give to my MCL, and 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 it counted. That was my first major major injury, really ever. Um, I don't think I up until that point I ever missed a game. You know, okay. Um, and and from grade school to high school to college, I don't think I ever missed an actual game. And so to tell you, MCL was was really a it was a downing experience at the moment. Um, you know, because I still had aspirations of, you know, maybe making it to the NFL, you know, and I didn't know how serious MCL injuries were, but I just knew it was the knee. And um, right. yeah, that was that was the biggest, biggest obstacle that I had to come up, come um, mastering was it was those walls. Did the did the size of the field uh, take some getting used to playing receiver? It did. It did as well. Um you know, obviously, you know, it's, it's smaller in length and it's uh, right. surrounded by those walls. But just having, you know, smaller areas to try to work through and, and you know, it wasn't too many juking things going on right on that level because as soon as you catch the ball, you got two or three guys on you. And, I mean, it, it was difficult trying to adjust. The good thing about the, you know, the, the indoor arena game is, you know, it, it's, you know, you pass a little bit more than, than even tip, the typical, you know, college that I went to, we were predominantly, you know, running the ball. 
So me even going into right. it and just the, the little bit more passing that was being done, I was excited, uh, excited about <laughs> it. Then obviously, you know, you go to the arena football and it's 90, 95% passing, with, with, with 5% is a run play, which is a trick play technically. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, to the, the field being smaller, you definitely have to adjust to that. And I would say it was more adjusting to the angles um, because once you learn the okay. angles, then the field actually seems a little bigger. Um, so it's making those adjustments. So you talked about, you know, the different different places you played in the AFL, the Jacksonvilles and the San Jose's and Washington, Chicago. I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot here. Out of all the places you played, who's the best Chicago. quarterback you played with? Oh, I thought you were going to say the best play. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say Chicago. I, hometown, Chicago, everything. Right. Oh, wow. Wow. So you said, okay, repeat the question again. So out of all the places you played, who is the best quarterback you've ever played with? Ooh. Best quarterback that I ever played with. I guess it's kind of trick because it was either the best quarterback when I was there with them or or the best that I think in my opinion just overall. I guess you uh, your choice. Um, I'm a, I'm a little biased. I'm a little biased when it comes to picking a quarterback. I mean, I played with some great ones now. Tommy Grady, you know, Eric Meyer, Russ McNair, Nate Stanley. Then I played with probably another 10 quarterbacks that, you know, they were coming in and out and, you know, so I don't want to disregard anyone, but, um, oh, can't, can't forget Nick, the laser, Nick Davila, even though I was only able to put yeah. him for, um, maybe two games, you know, before he, you know, got got injured, serious injury. You know, prayers out to him, you know, as he deal with that neck injury still. Um, I mean, I would go with the quarterback I played the most years with, and it, and it's not so much me ranking them as far as the, the elite quarterbacks. You know, I'm I'm not doing that. I'm just saying more far as for me playing. I would have to I would have to say Russ Mick. Okay. Um, okay. I mean, I only played with Nick for for two games. I played with Eric Meyer, you know, for a season, you know, stuff like that. So I mean, they're great quarterbacks. Tommy Grady played with him for half a season. Great quarterbacks. Right. You know now. Right. You know we go as the ranking. You know that's a different ball game. Right. Different question. Right. Right. That's a different question. But as far as who I've played with for my years, um, I got to give it to Russ Mikna. And another thing was that he was my college quarterback too. Two years, you know, my first right, year, right. He was my college quarterback. Then I went to the the rush. He was my quarterback. My first two years with the rush. Um, he was with my quarterback. My two years in San Jose. You know, so we just had a good chemistry. We had a good, a good chemistry, a great chemistry. I may ask. I may add. Um, right. So I would have to say Russ. And and that makes sense. I mean, you build a dynamic with a player, uh, like you said from college all the way uh, to a couple different teams there within the arena league. And you obviously had spent the most time with him, gotten the most comfortable with him. And that always translates well on the field. I mean, we see it all the time. So definitely makes sense. Definitely. Definitely. So for those that followed your career, you know, not only were you a dynamic wide receiver, but one of the best return men in the arena league when you played, if you had one choice, what, what was your what was the most 
enjoy you got more enjoyment out of doing was it the one play touchdown catches or taking that ball off the net on a return and taking it to the house mm. ah that's 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 a tough one. That, that's a tough one. I mean, but I, I would I would want to say that that kick return is something something special in the arena game, um, basically because all eyes are on you. You know, when you're running around as a receiver, even if it's a one play score, I mean, the eyes going to be kind of on you as far as the motion man, you know. But you know, a lot of times the eyes may be on the quarterback, so they may not even see you get his ridiculous route at the top of your stem or something like that. But when it, when it's, when it comes to kick returning first, you have to catch that ball off the net, which is a big, a big assignment itself, which is so dangerous. Turning your back to eight screaming guys coming down the field, seven, one with the kick or whatever. But, and then when you catch it and it's like, it's like everybody is, is, is trying to knock your head off. You know, when you make a couple of moves, make a couple of guys miss, you know, then turn on them jets and, and things like that. And then when you finally score, then you have all seven of your teammates coming down there to celebrate with you because they just had a big part of it and, and they were able to get down there fast enough where on offense, you know, line and some of them come down, some of them be like, all right, yeah, you're good. You know, that thing. Um, I would say that kick return, you know, to be able to, 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 to go technically 50 plus yards, um, you know, to go score a touchdown. And, and, you know, I think that, that, that brings a lot of excitement and I think it might be that. Definitely. Yeah. That's as, as far as uh, kick returns go in the league, do you want to explain that a little bit to uh, some of our viewers that may not be as familiar with how that goes in the arena football? Oh yeah, in the arena football game, um, they had their own patented rules where you had nets, and basically, just just think about, you know, a field goal in an outdoor game, and on the side of them, that field goal is is bouncing nets. You know, basically, like right. you go and you throw a ball against it, and it bounces back and come back to you. So, uh, when it comes to the kickoff, basically, you know, unless you onside kicking it or something, they're kicking it to those nets you know now, now right. good kickers they know how to kick it where it bounce sideways they know how to kick it low enough where it almost hit a bar because it's a bar separating what that that connects the nets um and then the other difficult part is some it's a net in between the field goal post so therefore if the kicker kicks through the field goal post the ball is still alive because it hits the net and it comes down at a different angle as well so um so your conventional, you know, kickoff in an outdoor game, they kick it, you feel it, you can just bring it back out. When it comes to the arena game, they kick it off the nets. You literally have to follow the ball from when it was kicked over your head, turning around, seeing it hit off the net, and then still be able to catch it, and then turn and run. The good thing about it is it's a it's a rule. It's a um, – I think, I think they – Technically, the kickoff team cannot pass the five-yard line before you catch the ball. Now, okay, in theory, <laughs> that's the rule. 
But I mean, <laughs> genetically wise, it's not it's, it's not too many fast people that get down there as soon as you catch it off the net and they're in your face that fast. It's 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 kind of impossible, but it's possible because sometimes the ball can get caught in the net and you gotta wait on it. Sometimes it take a funny bounce and pop high in the air and you gotta wait on it. So no one is running down there thinking I have to stop at the five yard line. And I've got caught a couple of times where I caught it. It got hung up. And a ball carried me to turn and catch it towards the guys. And I literally got blew up. And and the coaches, okay. any special team coach in the arena game will tell the guys, I don't care about that penalty. You just run down and lighten him up. You know, but so <laughs> we're protected to a certain degree, but it's not really protected because them guys are not slowing down. They're coming full throttle. Okay, yeah, thanks for giving our viewers just a little bit of insight on that for those that may not have been familiar with the rules. I can imagine that's got to be something that was, at first, a little bit difficult to adjust to just because uh, in college you field some kicks in the open field and then all of a sudden now you've got to learn this whole new dynamic with the timing of the nets and everything. Uh, I'm sure it definitely was something to adjust to uh, at first. Oh yeah, definitely was something to adjust to. I was, I was a nervous wreck about <laughs> doing it. Um, you know, and I, you know, and I mean, I've returned, you know, all American kick return in college and returned in a, other indoor games that didn't have the net. But the fact of <laughs> having to do it, and the thing was, I was just thrown out there. Like we practice, you can't really right. practice too much off the nets because you're not, you can't get into the arena. Um until probably the day before the game to be able to, you know, when they set up the field and get off the net. So I was kind of just thrown in there and it was just really just, just, you know, trial, trial and error, you know, trial and error, but I was definitely a nervous wreck, you know, but one, I mean, once you kind of do it over and over again, you kind of get the tricks and the trade and kind of know how to ball bounce and things like that. But um, I would say my first couple of years, even though I did it, it was, it was very nerve wracking. Very nerve-wracking. Well, and it got tricky too because, like Reggie talked about, you know, there's a metal. If you could picture, there's a metal frame around these nets. So as the ball gets close to the to the edge of the net, you're you're in position to get it off the net, and it hits the iron, and now it takes a completely different bounce, and now it's a live ball. Right, right. Oh, that's the thing too. I, I didn't mention that. As soon as that ball go past ten yards, just like any other football, that's a live ball. So even if the ball hit off the iron and and bouncing that ball is live so it's almost like it's, you have to feel it i mean it's been a lot of times where guys even i would say even myself maybe a few times didn't feel the ball correctly and it was bouncing and they grabbed it recovered it and the thing is they recovered and scored a touchdown you know so it's it is a different game a different beast and you have to be something special in order to you know be able to feel the kicks so out of your two arena bowls, the the two teams that you played on for the arena bowl, which which was which was your favorite, you know, arena bowl win, and which you know which was the most fun? Oh, okay, okay, yeah, it's 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 a tie between favorite. I would say both of them are favorite because one, obviously, um, you know, obviously winning your first championship, you know, on arena level, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's remarkable. 
Um, but then it also was my favorite when I won it in D.C. is because we played the Baltimore team who I played with the year before that is speculation. Yeah. But to my understanding, they didn't want to bring me back. So it's a little bit of revenge. A little bit of a revenge, revenge game, yeah. A revenge game. And so basically to beat them on their home field for the championship against a lot of my old teammates, you know, a lot of a lot of guys that probably didn't didn't like me. You know, a coaching staff that, you know, we had our bumps and bruises, you know, but you know, that but right. thought basically they could do better by bringing in other players you know to that that was that was the more satisfying i would say because even even my first championship with san jose um the game before the championship was 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 fought was, was where it was you know over there the san jose arizona rivalry that uh, that that was a rivalry in itself and and that was the game before the championship before the arena bowl so um you know, so so once the once we won that game, the arena bowl was kind of just like, okay, we're here, we might as well go and win it. But we were we we had so much satisfaction beating Arizona the game before. The championship was almost like, you know, don't get me wrong, we wanted to win it, but it was right. almost like, you know, we, we should win it. So let's let's just go. But but I would say the one I had the most fun in was definitely San Jose. Definitely San Jose. Uh, for one, that championship game in Baltimore, I was playing on a completely torn hamstring, so Oof. I was Oof. I was on all type of shots, <laughs> medication, <laughs> wraps, everything. I was just trying to get through the game, but I wanted to be there for my teammates. But I yeah. was I was in I was I was hurting. I mean, torn to where I probably after that game I probably couldn't jog for three four months. That's how bad it wow. was. Oh wow. Um, but you know when adrenaline rushing, and you, you know you kind of get that shot, you know, and I don't recommend it for anybody, you know. But <laughs> you know, it can make you do some some things that you didn't think you can do. But but San Jose definitely because um, it was a challenge. I was at I was at the peak of my game. Um, I was a little banged up there too. But you know you had you had you know you had a team with a bunch of all stars on that side, team with a bunch of all stars on our side. You know, they had a, a a great defensive back that that, you know, it was a challenge going against. It, it, it was fun. It was fun. Um, just the, the talking back and forth. It, it was just a lot of fun. You know, and I I, I showed showed my tail that game. You know, I got arena bowl MVP that game. So that was a lot, a lot of fun as well. You know, so. Um, so, yeah, so so. Those are the answer to those two. I'm a little long winded, I guess. I just love. No, you're good. You're good. We, uh, you know, like I said, we appreciate you being on. The detailed answers are always fun to. It's always nice to get. You know, you don't know about the revenge games and the the injuries right. guys play with. You know, I think in sports in general, a lot of times guys play with injuries, and you're like, man, he just didn't show up today. He just didn't look like himself. And then mm -hmm. later on, you find out, oh, he was playing with injury, and you know, just kind of force himself through it and stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you never want to make the excuse like, "Oh, I, you know, I did this and that because my injury stuff like that." I mean, nobody wants to hear because everybody deals with it. Um, but a lot of people, um, a lot of people just watching from the outside in, they really don't know what what guys be dealing with just to 
just to put on a show for the fans as well as, you know, try to bring on the victory for the fans. And and that game, I mean, even if you look at that game, I mean, I didn't have a great game, maybe three, four catches, something like that. Nothing, nothing strenuous. I think I barely played the second, the fourth quarter, second half, whatever it may be. But, you know, somebody look at it, they be like, oh, Reggie just had a bad game. He had an off game. He had a terrible game. Okay, that's fine. We got the W. We got the victory. You know, we had a lot of capable guys right. that could do what right. they do. You know, but I was just, I was just happy to be out there with them and just, you know, just, just, just go for it. But, but yeah, a lot of people don't understand injuries. You know, even if you're at your top of your game, injuries tend to slow you down a lot. Um, in which you know, sometimes it's not about age, which they always throw that on people. But age and right. and skill level and stuff like that, your skill diminishes. No, sometimes you banged up and you just can't do some of the things you you would like to do. Oh, absolutely. That's like Vince touched on. I mean, you never you never really get to hear it from a player's perspective until you sit down and talk with somebody. So. We appreciate you giving us that insight and, you know, telling us a little bit about uh, how you were as a player as well as uh, some of the rules and regulations there in the Arena League. For those that are not as familiar with it, you definitely uh, gave us a unique perspective on that. So we appreciate it. Oh, yeah, no problem. No problem at all. You know, I'm, I'm here. I talk about whatever y'all need me to talk about. My, my question is, you got the you got the two arena bowl rings. Which, who's got the nicer ring? Ooh, that's a good question. I, I have one on now, right? So it's my San Jose one. Short story, which, you know, a lot of people kind of know, but people that's not familiar with the arena game really don't know. But, but this ring specifically, <laughs> I had this one made. San Jose ring okay. made from the design that San Jose had made to give to the players. Uh, we never received the rings, but really, that team we were twenty and one. We lost one game that was to the worst team in the league. The kids that year in overtime, we rested players, whatever it may be. But it's the best team, arena team, in, in, in arena football history. Is my opinion, but I think it's a strong case that it, it should be bar none um, just based on what we did, what we accomplished. But we didn't get the rings. So a lot of a lot of players in the league was like, oh, well, y'all, y'all not the real champions. Y'all can't be real champions because y'all ain't got rings to kind of support it. You know, it's 10. So, but the ring in D.C., I, that one's kind of put up. That's that's a remarkable ring. <laughs> I, I can't say that is that is a remarkable ring. It came with um, insurance, showing how much they cut. It's a very expensive ring. I can put it like that. And you got to understand that our owners were Ted Leonis um, and the Monumental Group, who owns the Wizards, the Mystics. Right. You know, so they the Capitals, the Capitals. So I can't leave the Capitals, and so they knew what it meant to actually have a championship ring. So they, they went over and beyond for the rings. Now, and going back to the San Jose ring, we recently just got the word that we're getting our rings. I actually saw on Facebook okay. I saw some of the guys have started to receive them. Some of the guys are starting to receive their rings. I haven't got mine yet. I'm patiently waiting. I've been patiently waiting for six years. So therefore, I can wait a little bit longer. But 
they're on their way. And I'm excited to see how these rings are. Um, and so I can't do I to compare the ring I purchased and the wizard ring, there's hands down, I could throw this ring away. <laughs> Technically, <laughs> but uh, but when I get the San Jose Sabercat ring, I definitely will have both of them in a little mantle next to each other, only to be brought out on special, special occasions. I'm still gonna ring you wear this ring, it still symbolizes you know, whatever. But you know, this one, if I lose it, you know, I didn't, I didn't pay a grip for it. I lost some other two rings, I'd be highly upset. So, <laughs> so those rings are only be coming out, you know, probably if I got to give a Hall of Fame speech or something one day. Um, or, you know, special occasions when I just want to kind of, you know, stun a little bit and show show these these real diamonds and, and, and gold. Because and, I can tell you, that one I have with, with Monumental, with the, with, with the Washington team, that thing is, I went and um, got it appraised too, so. <laughs> very, very expensive, and I, I would not choose to wear something like that on my ring at all, at my hand at all times. Right, mm-hmm. right. It costs too much. Well, yeah, you know, it's you know, it's uh, definitely, definitely missed. the The game is missed by a lot of people, and you, uh, you know, everybody who followed arena football, even just for a little bit of time, big play Reggie Gray is a household name. Oh, well, thank you. I'm, I mean, I I tried to work that. I tried to make it a household name for anybody that kind of know arena football. I mean, really for the Chicagoland area, uh, I'd be surprised sometimes that, you know, a lot of guys that play football in Chicago, they're, they're familiar with me. Um, and it's a, it's definitely a humbling, a humbling experience. Uh, you know, I mean, I take pride in the high school I went to and being from a Chicago public school. I take pride in that all day, every day. Um, you know, now I've been trying to play a little seven on seven, um, you know, in these leagues and, and, but, you know, still dealing with some injuries and some lawsuits and stuff like that. So I can't, can't touch on that too much. Uh, right. But, um, right. I mean, it's just a big play name. It was given to me in college and I just kind of, you know, just kind of tried to run with it. Just try to be successful enough to kind of provide for my family. And that's one thing, the blessing you know, I thank God for is that football has allowed me to, it has taken me to, to heights that I never thought I'd be able to go to, you know, going over to China and, and going to China for two months and everything being completely paid for, you know, South side of Chicago, you know, people want to talk about me for, I always mention that I'm from the South side of Chicago. So I'm, I'm going to get some, something with that by saying that. But anyway, being from the South side of Chicago, I mean, I didn't even, I, I had never even been up north, north Chicago or, or or southwest suburbs. Like I, you know, a lot of people don't get that opportunity. And to be able to go across the waters, which I thought I'd never be able to, um, I'm grateful. And arena football, football in general has, has, has did that for me. It's allowed me to transition to post football, which is um, flipping houses. Uh, started a company as far as flipping houses and and you know I got my first offer on my first house so excited about that uh, started Very a trucking nice. company. okay started a trucking company in which I'm actually in 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 class for my CDL license I just passed the permit test so I got my permit because you know I mean I don't want to drive trucks but you know if I have a worker you know a driver and he can't you know you know fulfill his his duty and taking a 
you know, a load somewhere. I want to be able to know the industry where I could just jump in the truck and make sure my business don't take a black eye, you know, by not delivering a load right. and stuff like that. So, so I'm going through that process of, of, of trying to get my CDL and, and trying to get my real estate license so I can kind of have that covered too. So, I mean, I'm just excited that, that football, it took me there and I wasn't, I didn't make NFL money. <laughs> Definitely didn't make NFL money, but I made, I made good money to, 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 you know, buy houses, buy trucks, have my own house, have my own cars. You know, it's just been a blessing, man. And, and, and a lot of people out there just think it's NFL or bust, but you can actually have a very good living, you know, in other, other measures. I mean, CFL, the XFL that's coming back, um, you know, that fan control league that's going on now, you know, it just, you know, if you can play, I say play and, and, and keep living the dream. I've lived it. Absolutely. Well, Reggie, man, we appreciate you coming on with us, you know, as a, as a friend of yours and uh, a big time Chicago Rush fan. Would have loved to see, you know, celebrating a championship at home here in Chicago. Who knows what the future holds, but we really, really appreciate you spending all this time with us and kind of giving everybody a behind the scenes look at some of the things that goes into being a professional career and such a high impact career like you had. Yeah, thank you so much, Reggie, for your time. We appreciate you coming on with us. Uh, gave us a very good perspective. And like I said, we appreciate the time. So you take care. Have a good night. I definitely appreciate y'all having me on. Yeah, definitely. You're you're a friend of the show. You know, maybe we'll have you on again here, not to, you know, close to the draft where we had you, we had Steve uh, Steve Edwards, and we had Derek Ross on, and you guys have all just been great, great interviews, and we appreciate all of your guys' time. Oh, yeah, no problem. Just throwing out a, a, a hint or a sneak preview. Um, don't be surprised if, if, if the AFL comes back. You know, I'm not, I don't have any confirmation or anything, so I'm not this and that, but um, don't be surprised the AFL come back. And, 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 and if it does, I'm pushing for a Chicago team, you know, and we yes, die, you know it's a possibility. So um, don't think arena game is dead yet. So, you know, hopefully, well, hopefully we'll, we'll get to see you out there one more time and we'll get to see Chicago again. And again, man, just absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. All right. You guys have a good one. Appreciate that. Yep. Thanks, Reggie. Take care. That was an excellent interview. He absolutely fired off some answers. I mean, that guy just the knowledge that he shares. I mean, we've had we've had a couple other Arena League guys come on with us, but mm -hmm. just to hear the perspective from a wide receiver, uh, especially right. when well, wide receiver and kick returner, especially yeah. when you're talking about the challenges. You know, he said. It was very difficult, obviously, with the walls and everything, uh, getting accustomed to that. And then as well as being a returner with and without the nets, you know, that's that's a big dynamic to adjust to. So it was cool to hear that perspective. And Yeah, it was uh, really cool to get the behind the scenes, you know, playing with injuries and the difference in championships and the whole thing with the rings with San Jose and – uh, you know, a lot of people don't know, but Reggie, when he played, he wore hockey pads. He didn't wear football pads. He wore hockey pads. Right. He was always the high motion guy, so he wanted to be able to move the best he can. But just all the 
all the behind the scenes that he really opened the door to things that you usually don't, like you say, you don't hear about a lot of that unless you sit down with a player and get their behind the scenes perspective. Um, so we right. appreciate him being on with us. Another great interview. Uh, before we get to any other part of the show, we want to take a second and get a word in from our one of our big sponsors here with uh, 1252, Nick and Ivy Brewing. Hello, this is Paul from Nick and Ivy Brewing Company. We are located at 1026 South State Street in historic downtown Lockport, Illinois. We are very excited to be partnering up with the Fat Mike Chicago Sports Show as well as the 1252 brand because we are one of the few Chicagoland breweries that embrace sports and sports culture. Come in for a fresh brewed beer made right here in Lockport while catching the game of your favorite team. Stay for the live music that we have booked every weekend or just come for a cozy atmosphere to enjoy a good conversation with a friend, loved one, or complete stranger. Nick and Ivy makes you feel right at home no matter what the occasion is. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for Nick and Ivy Brewing Company. Visit our website for our up-to-date tap list or to go shopping on our online store at nickivybrewing.com. That's N-I-K-I-V-Y brewing.com. Come in today for a fresh brewed beer born and raised in Lockport, Illinois. And we are back again. That was a quick word from our sponsor, Nick and Ivy, out in Lockport. If you guys are in the area, definitely stop in and check them out. Great beer, great atmosphere. You won't regret it. Yeah, you know, we're going to be down there on the 18th for a nice live show, live from Nick and Nick and Ivy. So that should be that should be a hell of a time down there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, going to be a live Fat Mike Chicago sports show going to have some great guests uh friends of the show david schuster and fred hubner i believe are going to be joining the show for that one so be another great remote uh hope to see you guys out there now vince uh real quick before we wrap things up for the night you want to touch on some opening day baseball i know uh particularly i want to touch on a couple of the things that we saw out of the white Sox yesterday oh uh, what was what was your initial reaction to the White Sox game and more specifically how it was managed by Tony La Russa? So obviously the majority of us, if not all of us, well, except for Tyler, but he's for Wisconsin fans. So that doesn't matter, <laughs> but we're all pretty much Cub fans. So right. we like to, you know, we cover the Sox. We hit both sides. You know, we, we like to cover everything. When I heard they, they hired Tony La Russa, and I said this on Wednesday, when I heard they hired Tony La Russa, I thought it was a horrible, horrible mistake. I thought it should have been A.J. Hinch. I think that the game is not what it was when Tony was was a coach and he was on the bench and he was, you know, he was he, he was using his gut to decide everything. I think there's, you know, some sort of analytics is used no matter what team you're with now, some teams more than others. Um, our guy Allen here said that Tony blew that call. I'm thinking he's talking about the, the not reviewing the steal. Um, you know, there's just right. I mean, there's things that Tony's not used to, and everybody said that he was going to get in the way. And then as spring training started, and all the players bought in, it was you know what he's he's the right guy. All the players are love him, this and that. But now here it is, just one okay. one game in, and you're already wondering, did they make a horrible mistake? Um, first off, you know, not reviewing like like Alan said that he blew that call completely. Um, and it's not just on him. I mean, there's guys that are supposed to tell him, hey, you're supposed to review that. But, um, you know, sitting Andrew Vaughn, you you brought the kid up. He's a hot prospect. 
everybody's excited to see him, especially you said, well, how are we going to replace a guy like Eloy who went down in spring training? Well, we're going to replace him with Andrew Vaughn. Boom, instant impact. What what better memory is there than Andrew Vaughn, who everybody's waited for, to come up and hit a home run or a big hit on opening day, and Tony decides to not play him at all? Um, you know, I, I just yeah, didn't I, that. I, I, what did you feel about how do you feel about Vaughn not even playing? Yeah, I didn't like that. I didn't like that decision from Tony. I think we should have seen Vaughn play. I believe we are going to see him today, tonight here uh, against the Angels. But, you know, realistically, I think the biggest issue with the opening game for me was the usage of Giolito. It bothered me that Tony pulled him out of the game when he did. I think. You've got to build that trust between a manager and the pitching staff. And, yeah, he was having a bad inning there. He started he started going downhill. But give the guy a chance to, to uh, save himself, so to speak. It was still still relatively early. I believe that was towards the, towards the end of the fifth that he pulled him out. And to me, you just – you got to let that guy try to work it out. It's the first game of the year. <clears throat> and then you put – you put a guy like uh, Bummer in there against a bunch of righties, and I, it just wasn't the right call. To me, it didn't feel like Tony had a lot of confidence in that pitching uh, staff just in the game. Obviously, it's one game in, and we're going to see some changes. We're going to see some adjustments here early on in the season. That's to be expected, but you you got to have faith in your – especially when – when they have as strong of a pitching core as they do on that side of town, I mean, obviously they've got, you know, such a dynamic group of pitchers right now, and they've got a bunch of guys that should be able to hit the ball consistently. We right. didn't, we didn't see that so much in spring training as we would have liked to, but I only time will tell if Tony LaRusso was the right move for the White Sox, but <clears throat> game one, I'm not thinking that, we saw a lot of positives out of him. And you touched on, you know, it was said during spring training that all the players bought into him. Well, realistically, how much of that can we take serious and how, you know, it's almost like with the Bears. They, right. The Bears are 100% behind Andy Dalton. Well, all the players are 100% behind Tony LaRusa. Just that can be said just until – you know, someone disagrees with the decision of his and it becomes public, you know, and only time will tell if there is going to be some tension uh, between LaRusa and the players moving forward. I hope that I do hope that it works out for him for both, you know, the players and his sake. But I, again, it's baseball's an evolving game. There's a lot of things that have changed over even just over the past few years. So yeah, definitely. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how Tony, I guess, acclimates to some of the new technology that's in baseball as, as well as, you know, the analytics and things like that. So we'll, we'll see how it goes here moving forward for this Sox team. They're a young team with a lot of power in that bullpen. So I, I did touch on it on Wednesday night. I think that they probably win their division, but only time will tell, you know, I think, you know, I think he just, and again, like you said, it's one game. We don't want to overreact to one game, but it just felt like he didn't have a real good feel for the pulse of his team and who they are. Right. You know, it 
it almost is like when he managed before to now, the managers almost do less now than they don't have to manage as much, you know, especially right. you get guys that they have to face a minimum of three guys out of the bullpen. So you don't have to, you don't do that constant batter for batter matchup. You, you just feel right. like you kind of, I don't want to say it manages itself, but I feel like it does more than it used to. And it just, it felt like he overmanaged yesterday. He tried to, he tried to go with his feeling too much when it didn't need to be there. And, you know, right. we'll see if that's something that continues over the course of 162, or if that's just all of us overreacting to one game because it's opening day and everybody's watching opening day. But, you know, I, I have to agree with you when you said about Giolito. You know, you, you see a lot of guys, they go five innings, four innings, three innings on opening day, but you see the the Scherzers and the Kershaws and all the the, right. the Groms, all those guys. A lot of times they come out, they're complete games on opening day. And if right. Giolito did a lot to get himself into discussion of a top that top tier starting pitchers, and he's your ace, I just I tend to agree with you, especially because there's 161 after the opening day. So it's not right. like you're deciding the playoffs off that game. Let him let him try to get out of it. Let him build that relationship with him now where he can, you know, he goes, you know what? Coach has my back. I'm, you know, we got right. a connection. He trusted me and I'm going to go out there and do it for him. So we'll see how that goes. I don't want to overblow it off one game, but we'll just see how that plays out. Right. Uh, transitioning here a little bit, Vince. Uh, what would you say if I told you that the Bulls were actually beating the Jazz right now? You know, I would say that uh, that the the seas have parted. The everything is lined up. The AK and AK we trust, <laughs> and Vooch is having himself a game. And you know, these these moves are starting to take the Bulls in the direction we want to go. Well, the score is only twenty five twenty four. Ah, so man, you got no idea. I thought it was like the fourth quarter. I went, lost track of time. I thought it was like the fourth quarter. Bulls are blowing out the Jazz, and they're up thirty. And Vooch is no, blocking four times, and it's twenty five twenty four right at the end of the first. Uh, I think it's obviously still early. There's a lot of a game to be played there Absolutely. still, but. Realistically, it's nice to see them, you know, staying competitive with a team like the Jazz because the last time we played them, man, I mean, it was hard to watch with. Yeah. Well, you know, and even with the Bulls with the losing streak they've had since they made the trades and that, I still feel like that buzz is still there. Like everybody's oh, absolutely. Still excited about this Bulls team now. They're waiting for that that game where they take off, where it's like this, okay, they gelled, and now we're going to see that Bulls team that's going to, you know, start beating those top teams in the NBA. And if you don't make those moves at the deadline, that buzz isn't there. That, you know, if if they sell off everybody, then it's just the same Bulls. But this is a different team. You know, it's going to take time for them to gel. It's going to take time for them to practice together. And, yeah, like like our guy Allen said, give it, give it time. You know, they're going to get it right. And a lot of these moves, they weren't just made for right now. They were made for the future. And they were made for the offseason. They, they, rather than getting to the offseason where you go, okay, well, what, what, plan are we going to go what route are we going to take what path is this team on it's very clear the path that this team is on now and what you know we're no longer in that rebuilding we're in that we're ready to compete and every move that they make now will be to further this team into that that competition level the top tier teams in the nba oh i definitely agree with you on that vince i think you know obviously we've seen some some tough losses here the last few games but this team's got got a tough stretch coming up. I mean, uh, we touched on it 
last week when we when we talked with David Schuster, this team has, I believe it's 11 away games before they're home again. Yeah, it was like 10, and, out, of, 10 out of 11 or 9 out of 10, something like that, yeah. all on the road. And, you know, that's tough. It's tough for a young team, so it was nice to get a, a couple, you know, a veteran like Vucevic who's been around, you know, and you just add that that feel to the team where it's like we want to go right. out and beat every team now. Well, and I think it speaks volumes that, you know, we went out and got a guy like Vuce who can do a little bit of everything. He he is definitely a clear improvement over Wendell Carter Jr. You know, I got to laugh a little bit because – I did see in some of the Bulls groups that I'm in, I did see some people posting uh, Wendell Carter Jr.'s stat line the other night. and Oh, my God, he put up 23 points. Well, now that they got rid of Vooch, who else are they going to give the ball to? Not only, they, not only did they get rid of Vooch, they got rid of four of their five starters from the game before. I no, mean, absolutely. They, they had nobody, I think, but Terrence Ross was the only one left. It's like, well, of course he's going to score. They got nobody else. Right. They're totally in rebuild mode. Yeah. So, you know – they can they can keep the partner and they can keep the rebuild and the Bulls will keep making moves to get to a championship. Right. Yeah, I think we made some great moves there at the trade deadline. I'm obviously everyone's big on Vooch, but I'm really big on Daniel Tice as well. Yeah, I, absolutely. That, He's a bulldog that guy. That guy was you know really beloved by his teammates and they were really mm-hmm. sad to see him go. Obviously, great locker really, room guy. Great, yeah. great effort guy. Good hustle guy. You can play. He could play the center. He, you know, he could play the five. He could play the four. You know, he's just a very, very give you everything he's got type guy. Yeah, I think, I think personally, I would love to see him moving forward. Just have him at the four and have Vooch at the five. That's a, that's a hell of a matchup right there. And then I mean, if you got Vooch at the five and you got Tice at the four and Williams at the three and you got Zach at the two, now we're just looking for that point guard and. You know, this team's going to play elite defense with that lineup, and they're going to score too. Right. Our guy Allen here in the chat saying he's the defensive presence that we need to get these other guys going. Totally. Absolutely. I mean, Patrick Williams has been solid defensively. I obviously want to see him improve. But realistically, you know, you get a guy like that uh, to really push the defensive side of the ball, and then we can stay in games with some of these top tier teams that you know go out there and score 115 points a game well right. if if you can you know slow the pace down and uh really have a defensive presence that's respected that changes the whole dynamic of the games you're playing and yeah, you know and you know they what it does it makes the the whole roster more versatile you know obviously they're gonna they're gonna make right. some changes in the offseason but you know you got guys like daddy is young you know, if you if you went with the lineup we talked about, now you bring in other guys to, you know, uh, right now for the rest of the year, you still got Laurie coming off the bench so he could play minutes at the four and Tice can get some time at the five to give Vooch a break. You got Thaddeus right. Young. Thaddeus Young, if you want to go small, you got Thaddeus Young who, you know, doing his best Draymond Green impression this year with playing the small <laughs> center and, you know, rebounding and passing and scoring a few points. You know, it just regardless of what happens in the games now, they're fun to watch. They're fun to watch and they're fun to cheer. You know, for for the last Agreed. I don't know how many years, it, it's been painful to be a Bulls fan, and you didn't even you, you felt wrong even wanting to cheer for them. And now it feels good to you know have everybody around the NBA and on national shows talking about the great moves the Bulls made and you know how great the Bulls are and how. All of a sudden, they're a team that guys want to play on. Those are things you want to hear. 
You know, those are things we've been Definitely. we've been missing as a Bulls fan. And you know, not to not to keep ragging on Ryan Pace, but those are the moves that the Bears don't make. So to have a Chicago <laughs> team that does make them, at least we have that going for us, and it gives us something to be excited about. Oh, absolutely. Like you said, I think for the first time in a long time, there's some buzz around this team. There's definitely some upside as far as playability. Yeah. Watchability is going to be up. You're going to see a lot more people that haven't been following the Bulls as closely right. return and start watching again. So I'm excited to see what this team does here the rest of this year. And then obviously moving forward, really, we're one piece away. Just right. Get that point guard that's a true facilitator, and yeah. this team could be very promising moving forward. So Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, on that note, Vince, uh, I want to thank our sponsors. I want to thank Nick and Ivy Brewing, uh, as well as the Jonathan Darren team over there with uh, the Coldwell Banker Real Estate Group. I uh, want to thank you guys, our guests, for coming to join us tonight. Uh it was great having big player Reggie Gray on, give us a little Definitely. bit more perspective uh, about arena about arena football and, you know, some of the rules and just the mentality that goes into playing indoor versus outdoor football. So it's been a great show, guys. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it, and we hope to see you again next week. Uh, Definitely. Real quick, next this coming Wednesday on the Fat Mike Chicago Sports Show, here on the 1252 network we've got they've got some big name guests coming on they've got pat boyle coming on that's going to be huge uh obviously i know all mike's going all you hockey nuts absolutely mike's going to have a lot of hockey to talk about with him mike's a a diehard hockey fan i think we i follow hockey religiously but that guy knows more hockey he's almost knows more hockey than i've forgotten so absolutely uh I believe as well they may be having Jim McMahon do an interview, but that more is, to come on that. Right, that is what I heard. Uh, some more to come on that. So definitely check out Fat Mike next Wednesday. Uh, thanks again to all our fans for joining us tonight, and have a good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.